Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, gardening friends. We hope you've had a great week. You can call through anytime now till 10 a.m. 94841927. Bev Daring will be taking your call. And you can email us. You should know our email address by now. I hope you do. Gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout out to the breakfast boys, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. And you can catch Chris again, actually, tomorrow evening from 9pm, I should say, uh, with his music that is uh, known to be able to lull you into a really good sleep. So gentle music. And a big shout out to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan. And he will return today at 10am for the classic 70s Fayacaro. Good morning, Ray. How are you? <laughs> very good. What a great week we've all had. We have, and here we are again. Here we are. It comes around very quick. It's it our does. happy place, right? This is it, the, it my is. happy spot for the week. Yeah. It gives me an opportunity to showcase some of the plants that I have just <laughs> hiding in the garden. Well, we need to talk about those because you've come in with quite the bucket full this morning. Oh, it's a bit of a, a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah, but see, I just love things, I don't know, pushed together and bundled up and that's the way it should be. It doesn't well, have to be arty. How was that plant last week? Wasn't that interesting? The Tanantha. Yes. Well, it was funny because we we got an email from Kerry asking about it and uh, and what was the name of it because it is, I called it a golf sticks plant or golf club plant. And it's a plant that I've had in my garden for about 20 years. I put it in the pool pool garden area under trees and it's just naturalised there. And... You know, it it doesn't look fantastic, but it hangs in there and it stays green. And it's been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Come, you know, sprinkler fails, trees have been cut down, da-da-da. It, it's, it's just gone under on. the radar. Soldiers on. So mm. when I had to find the name of it, it took me on quite a search. Yeah. And it was not easy to find the plain green variety. Well, I Googled golf sticks, you know, mm. to Anthony and could not. It didn't come up with anything. No. Mm. So... What I did find in the end was that it's quite possible that it's not commercially available and so it may have it may be one of those like 70 plants that just went out of favour and of course with the, the love of variegated plants coming in, a lot of people might have gone, oh no, I don't want that one. They want the variegated form, which of course in, is beautiful. in the uh, similar family has lots of coloured leaves. Mm. Uh, so look out for the, the green form and... I think it's called Tenanthe Compressor, which is C-T-E-N-A-N-T-H-E. Yeah, no, so, very beautiful. As I was saying to you, I like the shade of green, mm. slightly more limey green. 
glossy. Yes. Versatile and just beautiful in a vase. And know? that's what made me think, oh, okay, mm. what can we put in a vase? Yeah. And and then I went on to read that it can grow from cuttings. And I thought, cuttings, you know, like the stems seem mm. very long, wasn't aware of any nodes or knobbly bits up the stem, mm. but they can actually make more little plants up the stem. Mm. So I, I've tried that too. So I quickly took it, set about um, potting up some. Yeah, excellent. Mm. All right, we've got lots to talk about today, not to mention we're going to do our draw this morning for the Rainbird Australia domestic irrigation controller. We're giving it away. All the names have been put into a flower pot thanks to John, and he will come in soon and draw out the winner. This product is worth more than $800. Wow. Let's just head quickly to Lockridge. Moira, good morning. Oh, good morning, Ray and Faye. How are you? Very good, thanks, oh, Moira. Nice. Um, my question is, um, I'm just about to move house and I have a whole bunch of pot plants which have been out in the garden. How important is it to retain the orientation, like north-facing? I would say it's probably not not actually important, Moira, but what I would recommend doing is, for a lot of plants, rotating them so that you get a balanced look. I mean, when you, you position a plant maybe in a house or on a patio, we tend to have the best side facing us, but yep. actually for the plant, the best thing would be to rotate it so that you get even growth all the way around. Okay, right. Yeah, that makes a bit of sense, actually, because my roses look a little bit lopsided. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they're in a pot, that's a a good opportunity. It makes it easy for you to be able to do that. Right, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll still make note of of what what their position is now so I can work out how to rotate them. Oh, Honestly, it really doesn't matter that much. Right. Okay, great. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Thanks, Moira. Right. Bye-bye then. Cheers for now. And, wow, that's just a nice way to start the morning. Shirley from Belcata phoned in and she sends her compliments to us both and she loves the show. Oh, that is lovely. That Thank is you, nice. Shirley. Yeah, it is nice to receive that. Thank you very, very much. And I must say that today's show is sponsored by Maxi's Fashion Ladies Clothing. Select from a colourful range of stylish, affordable Australian labels in all sizes. Okay, and our guest today, Faye Curry. We will be speaking to Dave Bright from the Wildflower Society. And one of the things that I particularly want to talk about is knowing when to water your native plants. We've had a completely different ballgame. It it Mm. is. Mm. And we think everything needs water Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. enough of it. If if our plant's looking sick, what do we do? We get out the hose and Mm. try and save its life. Mm. And, you know, once it's got our attention, not only does it get one watering, it might be getting another one An until it starts one. to look good and then all of a sudden, well, it's mm. pushed it over the edge. So yes, knowing is charged. what and when to water and also different plants for, you know, suggestions for shrubs or ground cover plants. Well, we like that, don't we? It gives mm. people an idea, it gives uh, us an idea as well and just some nice suggestions for different types of plants and where and what and, and, and one's... You know, are, are easy to to grow. Not going to cause us too much grief. All right, where are we? I think we should head back out to Padbury now. Good morning, Liz. How are you? 
Hi, good, thanks. And you guys? Good. Oh, very good, Liz. Yeah, good, How can we help you? you? Okay, I've got a frangie panty that's got super tall um, and it's in the wires, getting heading towards the wires. Mm. When can I cut it back? Now would be a good time. Hot weather, it would, be good. It would heal well. Dry off your cuttings and plant and them in a couple of weeks. how far can I cut it back? How far? It's quite, it's quite, quite tall. Mm. And it's all, it's pretty, what I say, leggy on the top. Bare okay. underneath, but leggy on the top. Well, prune it to shape. So right. it, you wouldn't cut as much as half, I wouldn't think. But yep. if, could you take out a third to tidy yeah. it up? Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Okay, no, that would yeah, it would work. And sure. what colour is it, Liz? Oh, I don't know, oh. a pinky orangey colour. Oh, lovely! I've got probably about a dozen or more of them. But, oh, wow! Um, and I'm I'm going to start putting if it'll work. I'm going to start putting some of the smaller, shrubbier ones underneath, so I'll have a bit of colour coming underneath too when the others are open out. You know, mm. so Sounds nice. yeah, looking, looking lovely. Some varieties do tend to be more leggy. Yeah, right, so yeah. Yeah, this is do. definitely leggy. Yeah, mm. definitely leggy. I wish I had legs like it. Uh, me me it. too, Liz. Perth, <laughs> Perth pink is a classic, the one yeah. that grows very tall. Yeah, it is quite tall. So. Okie dokies, thank you. You're welcome, Liz. Have a great Thanks. day. You too. Bye. Cheers Bye. for that. And we're still on the subject of frangipanis. We are in Belcada. Megan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. thanks, Megan. Sorry? Good, thanks, Megan. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, quite, it's a bit cooler anyway now at the moment. But yeah. I've, got a friend, I've got a friend who's got this beautiful white bloom flower and the, the actual plant is called an arrowhead frangipani. Have you heard of it? I have. Uh, I, I think I know it mm. as hammerhead frangipani. Yeah. And, yes, I procured one from a neighbour uh, not that long ago and it's, looking very good and about to flower. It, they can be winter uh, deciduous. They can drop mm-hmm. all their leaves in cold areas. Oh, okay. Mm. It's called a hammerhead. As well, that's another name it goes by, yes. Are they easy to get or, you know, do I have to go to the nursery to get one? Yes, generally I would say so. Because I've got frangipanis here. I've got loads of frangipani. I've got one, two, three trees just right out here. They're all dropping their flowers now, but that's okay. But I saw this one, and it's really beautiful. Mm. Mm. They, it's more shrub-like, isn't it? And it has a different shape leaf. It definitely yes, has it a different... It's a different leaf, yes. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it also known as the Singapore frangipani, white Singapore frangipani? Uh, I th- well, oh. it... It's a bit confusing when they have common names. There are Sing- Singapore frangipanis, so Singapore frangies. Okay. Well, I, I'm not sure about that one. I just the one that sticks in my head is hammerhead frangipani. Oh, thank you very much for that. Thank you. But uh, you know, we have uh, frangipani uh, uh, nursery supporting this program, and yeah, I know they have a huge range. Oh, good. So if you if you're yeah. out and about, just call a few places and see what you can, if you can track one down. Now is right. certainly the time. The best time, <laughs> yeah. Oh, great! Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Good you're on welcome, you, Megan. Megan. Cheers for that. Bye bye. Bye. It certainly is frangie season, isn't it? It is. I've managed to get a few growing by cuttings, and they're 
They're either a red or a very deep pink. Yeah. Just, just stunning. I'm letting mm. the roots establish before I do anything yeah. with them. Yeah, I must say the red is spectacular. Mm. Absolutely. And, oh, my goodness, the Facebook page, Nellie's Facebook page, West Coast Frangipanis. I mean, it's just a feast for your eyes, isn't it's, it? Every it, post, I'm yes. having a heart attack. <laughs> and I've not been the biggest colours. frangy person, but, oh, my goodness, when I see what she pops out. How many have you got now, Ray? I've only got a couple. Yeah, I've got one out the front and one out the back. What colours? Uh, the one out the back is a very deep pink and the one out the front is a very brilliant orange. Ooh. Yeah, sort of a metallic orange colour. Gorgeous. Yeah, so uh, they're only young. They're mm. only young. So, But they're growing. They're growing. They're, they're, and that's one thing about frangies. They grow quickly, right? They sure do. Yeah. They sure okay. do. Can I tell you a little story about last night? Oh, do. <laughs> I was down at the Fremantle Footy Club and we had friends with us. And a lady came in that <coughs> sat with us last week. And, you know, I hadn't met her uh, before that. Anyway, she knew these friends of ours, which was quite a coincidence. It's happened a few times. A bit later, she asked if I could ID something. So... I went outside because it was dark and it was loud with music playing. I had to ID a naked lady, Ray. Uh huh. Okay, I know <laughs> a naked the, lady. I but, know the naked but lady. But you remember months ago we got an email about can you identify this bulb? bulb? Yes. And it was a big one. It was big, and naked lady was the first thing that came, came. to mind. It's also known as an Easter lily. Yes. And they appear, the flowers appear on stems yeah. with no leaves around. So they yeah. just pop up out of the blue, hence the name Naked Lady. Yeah. Anyway, but there are bigger bulbs that are quite similar. I don't know that we very often see them out of the ground because many of them have bigger leaves or, mm. or seem to keep their leaves like the crinums. Mm. Uh, and there is also a pink. But, yes, the trick with this one is the flowers appearing on... Uh, naked stems. Yeah, quite right. Okay. How was that for a coincidence? Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Love so it. So there you go, Kerry. <laughs> We're in Rockingham. Robin, good morning. Good morning. Is that... It's Faye and Ray. Hi, Ray. It's Robin. I bought a guy near Lily seven years ago, and the lady said that it would take seven years to flower, and it she was right. Last oh. year it started to make the spike. Oh, wow. But it started to spike early last year and I'm st it's 15 foot high now, the spike, but there's still no flower on the top. <laughs> and I'm wondering how long does the spike take to actually have a, the flower? Oh, dear. It's it's going to take as long as it takes, Robin. I I couldn't tell you. Um, is it opening up at the top? Are the buds swelling? Or no, there's no sign of buds. The leaves are getting small. You know, the sort of has leaves going up the spike, and the leaves are getting smaller and closer together at the top. So it looks like it, there's mm. something happening, mm. but there's no sign of any swelling of buds at the top or. Right. Well, you know, it's one of those cases where you're just going to have to be patient, Robin. Well, I've got a picture actually from July last year and it's as tall as the house next door. Oh, yeah. Now it's taller. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just wondering, does it take another seven years 
for the spite to come out. No, no, no. It, I'm sure it will come out in the same season. So, no, it, well, it won't we, take... Yeah, yes. So start, we start, I sort of figured it start, must have started about this time last year with the tightening of the leaves in the middle of it when I got excited it was going to ready. Mm. Well, I tell you what, Robin, how about taking a succession of photos mm. and just monitoring it so that you can let us know and you will know for next time as well? Oh, hopefully, yes, because I've read up on it and yeah. it's nowhere can I find how long that t- spike takes to open. Open up. Uh, often it depends on factors such as uh, temperature, daylight, uh, that you know, those those sorts of factors. Is it in direct sun, Robin? Uh, it gets direct sun and then it gets shade, so it's half and half. Mm. It looks really healthy. That's good. Oh, lucky yeah. you. <laughs> Spectacular. <laughs> Spectacular <laughs> when it opens. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Goes up to about Thank 20 feet. When it opens. Yes, beautiful. Thank you, Robin. Okay. Keep, hold you. the faith, Robin. <laughs> Thank you. See you okay, bye. Cheers for now. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening, 24 minutes after 8. Busy morning. We will be chatting with Dave Bright from the Wildflower Society of WA very soon. Right now, we're straight back out to the lines. We're heading to Lancelin. Lorraine, good morning. Good morning. How are you both? Good. Good. Very good, thanks, Lorraine. How can we help you? Well, I've got two fig trees. They're about five years old. I bought them from a nursery. I know one's Black Genoa. I'm not sure about the other one. But I'm very disappointed in the amount of figs that I'm getting from it. Both the um, trees are very leggy and it's got very sparse leaves. So I'm only getting a few Mm. figs where the leaves are. And um, last year, after summer, I cut the middle out of them to try and bush it up but it hasn't really helped and I'm right I'm, okay. I love figs <laughs> yeah okay well I think you've been a bit gentle on it actually oh, okay <laughs> so Lancelin make sure that it is the soil is being built up and you've mulched yep. and mm. it's holding yep. moisture um is it getting plenty of sunlight because sometimes mm-hmm. if plants are leggy they're stretching yes. for the light yeah, that could be an issue. Yes. Okay. And I All right. have to do a bit of, I've got, there's an olive tree nearby that's getting rather large, so I am going to prune that too. Okay. Um, and but my other question, oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, so the other factor is when you prune, go really hard. Cut okay. it Cut yep. it back to stumps, stubs oh, off okay. the main trunk. Yep. And, and then all of those will branch out and you will you should get strong, healthy growth. But coupled with the fact that you're going to cut back the olive tree, that will mm. be a very good idea. Okay. Um, now, just one question. My back neighbour has a beautiful fig tree and um, she gives me lovely jam. Um, but I am getting, and I'm... All these figs coming up in my garden, like I would have at least 30 now. I just went around and counted them. Mm. Can you grow? I'm, I'm sure they're coming from the lady behind me because my figs are only just ripening now. 
Can would would they give me figs? So I don't want to waste them. It's I wouldn't. Um, if I wanted figs, I wouldn't be waiting for seedlings. I, okay. I don't think they're going to to give you the best result. But okay. now yep. winter time is the time to prune your fig tree, and okay. at that time take your cuttings. That'll be the quickest way to get All more right. more yes. trees. The lady, she gave me a cutting last winter, and I planted it, and it got you know, started to grow leaves and everything, and then it died. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. So anyway, I'm, I'll ask her again and see if I can get another one this year. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be much better. Yeah. Anyway, I'll try with mine, but thank you so much That's for all right. that and information. The, <laughs> the benefit of getting a cutting from a known tree means yeah. that you know what you're starting with. Often we get problems come to us here and I'll say, well, what what variety is it? And without knowing what variety is, it's very hard to, to know what its habits and traits are. If we know the variety, we've got a good starting point. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Lorraine. Take Bye. care. Bye. Cheers Bye. for that. Yep. All right. From the Wildflower Society of WA, we are chatting with Dave Bright. Nice to have you with us this morning, Dave. You're with Ray and Faye. Good morning, Ray. Morning, Faye. Morning. What? Lovely to talk to you ladies again. How are you both? Yeah, very <laughs> good. And, well. and loving the little bit of cool in yeah. the air, Dave. Yes. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. So I've been concerned about people with native gardens around Perth mm. overwatering them. And when we were talking on the phone, we talked a bit about how to know when to water. Like, what are the signs the plants would give us? That, that's a, a difficult question because unlike exotics such as vegetables that have soft leaves, that most natives don't go through a wilt stage when they dry out a bit. So the first sign that a native is starting to look sick is when the leaves go slightly grey. And in my experience, that plant is already past the point of no return. So. Mm. Extra water doesn't um, seem to make any difference. Okay. All right. So how how should people look after their gardens in 40-degree heat? Is it just a, a token once-a-week watering to, you know, help them get through? If, if the watering regime has been maintained from the beginning of the of the hot season, a little extra water will possibly help. But if we hit a, a, a really hot period and you suddenly start to see um, plants die, yeah. uh, then extra watering um, isn't going to help. Okay. I, I, I have, was, was invited to, to visit a community um, garden recently and the question to me, was asked to me, we've got lovely looking plants, but dotted through it, we've got all these dead plants. What yeah. can we do? Should we be watering them uh, more? And unfortunately, my answer was, it's, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. Mm. I, um, what, I, what I do if I come across a, a case like that is I actually um, uh, pull a plant out of the ground and look at the roots. Mm. And what I'm finding, and if and if if your listeners have have gardens that have um, healthy-looking plants through most of it, but the odd dead one or two, 
pull them out, have a look at the roots, and what you may well find is that some of the roots are bent or, or twisted or tangled or coiled up. And occasionally I, I found that you see a cage of roots where the, uh, the roots themselves follow the shape of the original root ball. Yeah. So that plant was put in the ground with cord roots to start with, and it'll look healthy for, a, for one or two years possibly, but then it'll suddenly drop dead when you get a hot weather. And there's unfortunately nothing that can be done to to resurrect that plant. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess too. Uh, I know in my situation with my retic, it's one size fits all. You you water zones, and if there's some native plants amongst it, they're getting the same amount of water as other other plant varieties. And I think that can be problematic for a lot of people can, in their gardens. It can be. There is, there is an issue. Uh, whilst and I know folks do like to mix exotics and natives. Yes. But with standard reticulation in the mm. overhead watering, a lot of natives don't like overhead watering. Mm. Um, yes. If, if they go on late in the in summer, late in the day, and the moisture sits around the leaves overnight, humidity builds up, and that's just a, a, a recipe for um, for disease and, and and fungus to establish. So, yeah. natives prefer drip irrigation. Okay, okay, yeah. And I gather from from that morning watering is that morning um, first thing or um, lateish afternoon whilst there's still a bit of heat around. And if it's a windy day, of course, the the wind will blow away the the moisture that hangs around the the leaves. That's not a problem when we have windy evenings. Mm. The problem is when we have these beautiful still nights when the, when the humidity just, just sits there. So if you water at the latest, I'd say, sort of 4 o'clock in the afternoon, mm. um, when there's still some heat around, that will dry the leaves. But as you say, um, better to water first thing in the morning. So what about rain then? Uh, that's obviously a different season. We all had a bit of rain last night. Most oh, of no, us. we all did. No, we got nothing. <laughs> got nothing. <laughs> yeah, how does yeah. rain impact them? I, I don't think we had very much last night. No, it barely filled the gauge. So yeah, exactly. A little sprinkle, a little enough to dirty your car, I think. Yes, and then then the, then the wind picked up and and would have blown that humidity away. Yeah, any effect, anything that um, hit the ground would have been evaporated. So, unfortunately, little rainstorms this time of the year don't benefit our plants much at all. Yeah, and and so, what sort of tips can you give our, our listeners just for general native care in summer? Um, very little that can be done in summer. I, I know we've we've had a um, a terrible year. Yes. Uh, with the gardens really been um, been hammered, hammered and a lot of yep. dead leaves and shoots on them, and there is a yep. temptation for folks to to want to start to tidy up and make it look nice. Yeah, that is not a good idea. No. Our, our plants, our native plants, have got tend to go into a stage of, of semi dormancy, and if you prune them, that can trigger the change to. For, for the plant to switch from dormancy into an active growing period, it will produce soft new shoots. And these soft shoots will burn easily if we have um, hot, even if we have warm and windy days. So mm. my advice would be just to hang off, wait for the, uh, the hot weather to pass, 
and then you can you can take all the um, all the dead growth off, and tidy up your plants, and that will stimulate them to to into fresh growth. So you'll have some lovely new growth uh, um, in a few weeks. I guess in the natural bush there will be a succession where some things don't make it through. Some actually come come back like um, like a miracle when the rains come. They mm. just they go from looking dead to putting on new growth and away they go again. But I guess also there's other seeds in the area, so they may then set up an environment or an ecosystem to support something else. You're right, but I I have a concern if we in our gardens that if we try and and replicate that and add extra water, we may run the risk of doing exactly the opposite. If a plant is is in dormancy and waiting for the rains to come, and that will happen in in um, usually May time, early May. If we now introduce extra water early in the season, hoping, oh yes, let's let's um, trigger this plant to to, uh, to start growing. If it doesn't do that, and you put extra moisture around the roots, I wonder whether mm. actually just encouraging that plant or actually causing it to um, to die. When in fact, if you'd left it alone, it wouldn't have done. It, it's hard, isn't it, Dave? I, I guess what you're saying is you've set up your garden with native plants, you've established them, you now just have to sit back and let them work with their seasons and do what they know instead of getting in there, Stop watering them. and interfering, trying to exactly. make things better and yeah, killing them with that's, kindness. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me, mm, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. I, I think uh, I think you've hit a nail on the head. Uh, this will make you uh, make you laugh. I, something I um, I suggest to the folks that are coming to the nurseries if they buy um, shrubs, I tell them to um, when they plant them to trim the top off the uh, off the shrubs. And often people come in and they choose the nicest looking plant. Of course. Of course, and the plant, the one that's got the most flowers. Yes. And they come to me and I say, Cut them off. Cut them <laughs> off. And they're horrified. Yeah. But in actual fact, what they're doing is mm. two, two things. One is that you're producing extra shoots low down, lower down to the ground, so you finish up with a better structure plant. And secondly, you're actually um, going to re- be rewarded with even more plants than even more flowers, shall I say in the next few seasons. So pruning stimulates the production of more flowers. So a short-term sacrifice for a long-term uh, reward. Oh, can, you, can you recommend some nice ground covers for our listeners? Look, I can. I, I, I have some, some special favourites. One that I'm um, particularly liking at the moment is a, is a native pig face. Ah, yes. Big face. It's got a horrible uh, scientific name, dysphimer, but it um, it's got succulent leaves, of course, like a like a pig face. Grows to about one one and a half meters wide, only about ten centimeters tall, yeah. but has the most beautiful shining pink flowers for a, quite a long period through um, through autumn and summer. And once established, doesn't need much water at all. And another one that's, that's my favourite that I, ha- that I have in my own um, garden is Tryptamine Becciaceae. Uh-huh. No, no common name, unfortunately. This grows 
also about 10 centimetre high to maybe a metre to two metres. But every vertical stem that comes off the, off the horizontal runners is just covered with masses and masses of these pink flowers in winter. It, it looks stunning. And it will grow in underneath and through other plants. So you'll go uh, under a shrub and come out the other side and you'll see patches of these pink flowers in, in areas where you haven't planted it. Yeah, lovely. Um, and it suckers. It, it, um, it roots as the, as the shoots go out. So uh, beautiful, tough plant. And so that's Threptamine. Can you spell the last part of that name? Becky A-C, B-A-E-C-K, E-A-C-E-A. Got it. Okay. Now, there are, two, there are two forms of the plant. There's an upright form that will grow to um, 50 to 70 centimetres and a ground cover form that is only 10 centimetres. Well, it's the ground cover, that one that I particularly uh, enjoy. Like. Yes. Mm. And what about shrubs? Some, some smaller um, shrubs for, for our listeners. Smaller shrubs. The, the, there's a range of, of star flowers, uh, local star flowers, and yeah. one of them that is flowering at the moment is um, the summer star flower, as the name suggests, that has um, lovely um, yellow flowers. Um, and the yellow Leshnaltia. It, it, it's a bit tangled um, in the bush, but it's tough as old boot, grows on the coastal limestone um, sands, has, as, a, as the name suggests, yellow flowers, but those yellow flowers have splotches of, of pink wow. in them. Beautiful. Um, and that's one of those that will scramble a bit, so if you're growing it with other plants, it will grow a little bit high, up to, to maybe one and a half metres, if supported by, um, by other plants. Mm. Sounds lovely. A few more for the shopping list, Ray. I know, I know. <laughs> My little brain's ticking over whilst you're speaking. And do you do you have some uh, native trees that you could recommend to listeners? Um, yes, I'd like to recommend a, a couple. One that listeners probably familiar with, which is the uh, Eucalyptus Silver Princess. Yes, love, uh, love, love. And that has large, the, the silver princess form of the, of the tree has large pendulous flowers. So that's quite stunning. Another one is called the Jingamaya Mallee. Yeah. Um, that's Eucalyptus cynandra. Also has pink flowers. Also flowers at the same time um, for quite a long period, for six months over, over spring and summer. But this one has um, pink and and cream flowers, a lot smaller, but tend to be a lot, lot more. So it's more of an, an open, wispy um, mallee compared with the, um, the Silver Princess. Okay, very, very interesting. Okay, we're just writing these down as, as we go. <laughs> Lovely. You're okay. welcome. I think we've run out of time, I hate to say, Ray. Yeah, actually, we need to. <laughs> I just looked at the clock. We need to go to a, a little break. Look, thank you so much, Dave. It's been a delight having you with us this morning and imparting your uh, wisdom uh, to us and the listeners. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, it's Dave. Lovely, lovely talking to you again. Okay. Take care. Bye Cheers. for now. Cheers. All right. Okay, back. Curtain Radio. Straight back out to the lines we are in Mandra. Kevin, thanks for waiting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was yeah, a bit of a wait, wasn't it? 
Yeah, well, I was clean shaven when I phoned up. <laughs> Lots of good information, though, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I've been fortunate enough to get a couple of mango seeds to germinate, and uh, they're looking really good. But the problem is they've both got two shoots coming off them. Um, one is probably 150 mil high and the other about 100 should I give the uh, the short one a, a short back and sides? Yes. Or just let it grow? Yes, no, that's what I would do. Uh, just encourage the stronger one. Just take out the yeah. weaker one. Yeah, Survival of the fittest. Yep, all right. Yeah, I, just that I didn't want to kill something that was uh, going to be a mm. benefit later on. But. No. Kevin, there is a name for that, what's happening in front of you. It's called polyembryonic. All right. Mm. So well, it, I thought it was a miracle to start with that I got <laughs> to germinate. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, enjoy. Yes. Yeah, all right. Thanks a lot for that. You're welcome. Yep. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Kevin. And let's head to Safety Bay and say good morning to, is it Gage? Yes, yes, it's Gage. Gage, how are you? Thank you for taking the call. Um, I have a dwarf lime tree in a pot as well as a calamansi lime tree in a pot. Yes. The dwarf lime tree on the leaves, it's got like silver wriggly lines all over it. Yes. Is that leaf minor or something, is it? It does sound like citrus leaf minor and that is caused by a little moth that lays its egg in in between the leaf Uh between the lamina and the egg hatches, a little caterpillar or larva develops and eats its way through the leaf, making squiggly lines. So if you go and investigate and it's current, you, if you've got good eyes, you will see a, a swelling in the centre of um, the squiggles and you can squash that or you could remove the leaves if it bothers you. It doesn't normally harm the tree if it's a healthy tree. Um, it can look unsightly, so I would just take them off with the secateurs. All right. So I, I just trimmed it this morning because it was. It seems like it was all over the tree. There's a, there's this, the core of the tree is, is healthy, but all the external leaves have all the squiggly lines across it. Okay. All right. Um, what you so also... Do I need to spray it now? Uh, well, the the moths will lay their eggs on fresh new leaves. So because you've cut it back, you'll get some some fresh growth. That is the time to protect it with a an oil spray, an eco oil or something like that if you want to. And that it discourages the moth from laying its eggs there. Okay, okay. So, so it actually doesn't really hurt the tree then? It doesn't, not. Not generally, no. What about what about in this heat? Well, it it gets lots of water. It's in a pot, you know, with a water well in the pot as well. Um, But it hasn't it hasn't really fruited. I think it's now three years old, and it's fruited with maybe about five limes that fall off. Okay, it's still a young tree. It it tends to be. Three to five years before citrus trees develop fruit. And if it's in a pot, uh, if you've given it really good 
care and it's got plenty of nutrition and moisture, yeah. it'll be fine. But you might even consider potting onto the next size pot if it's filled out the pot it's in. All right, so I've got to get it a bigger pot. It's in a pot that's about um, two, maybe one and a half, two feet by two feet. No, so it's, oh, it's quite a, that is a quite a big pot. And yeah. just check that it's it's not root bound. That the water that you put in is held in the pot, like it's good quality soil. If it's running straight out. The, the potting mix may have no. exhausted itself. It's healthy, is it? It's very healthy, and I also keep topping it up with wetter soil and and and, uh, and citrus fertilizer and and potting mix. Okay. Um, the other the other so so I just have to wait. The other one is the calamansi lime kumquat, whatever they. Call it. They call it a kumquat, but I think it's a color. It's a calamansi lime. Okay. And again, this one is is now coming up to four years old, but it it grows, but it doesn't grow any fatter. Not like the lime tree that, that the stem grows fatter and fatter. This one doesn't seem to grow. It's it's um it has fruit, but it would only have maybe about twenty fruit a year. Mm. So. I don't know what to do with it. It's very pale green, and I'm not sure if it's meant to be pale green like that or like lemon trees and lime trees where it's dark green. Has it got plenty of sun? Yes, it gets full sun, and it's against a, a brick wall, and it's in the same size pot. Right. If it's against a brick wall, it could be getting a lot of reflective heat from that. So that would be fine in winter time. It would love that warmth. But in summertime, it might just be, um, yeah, it might not be enjoying it. Like us, if we were standing out there on a 40-degree yeah. day next to a brick wall. Yeah, yeah. It's just because I've got, I've got my citrus plants all, all in a row. Mm. And the others, um, my coffee lime's doing really well. Uh, the, the lime tree's doing really, really well, except it has no food. But you're saying it's young. But yes, this, this one, the kumquat, kumquat calamansi line, it just, it doesn't thrive. It just okay. grows. All right. I would, for now, I would give it some seaweed, a, a drink of a seaweed solution seaweed, diluted, yeah. yep. and yep. a controlled release fertilizer for, for citrus. That's what I do. I put a controlled yep. citrus, but I, and, and I put the, the other. Uh, grow feed or whatever it is on it. All right, power feed? I did. Power feed, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that's I good. Yeah. yeah. I don't put seaweed. Okay. Um, so that's all I can do for it, is, it, is that right? If, you, if you're using a liquid and not on a 40-degree day, but like in the cool oh, no, of no, the no, day, no. you could use yeah. a diluted fertiliser, a liquid, over the foliage, and that might might get the nutrition into the leaves quicker than taken up through the roots. That's what you could try, Gake. Okay. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. I usually do my watering in the morning anyway. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Good luck. Right. Bye. Bye. Cheers for now. Okay. Short break. Kitten Radio. You're tuned into Let's Talk Gardening at five past nine. We're chatting with Jessica Clark from. 
Tree rings, tree rings. Now, this is a whole new concept in the way that you go about fertilising your plants. Now, drum roll, please. We are going to do our draw for the, let me turn my paper around, the Rainbird Australia RZXE 8-Station Domestic Irrigation Controller. Includes a dongle and a wireless rain sensor. Now, this is valued at more than $800. And we asked listeners last week to email their details to us and we would put you in the draw to win this fabulous prize. Thanks to Tim Robinson from Rainbird Australia. And uh, we got lots of uh, entrants. And John has very kindly put all of the details, all of the numbers, member numbers, into a flower pot. And give it a little jingle, John. <laughs> and we're actually going to draw out the winner uh, on air. And uh, thank you, John, for you've helped us a lot in the work that goes behind and around these little competitions. Not so little, I should say. Nice. This is this is a life-changing prize, let me tell you, for our it, gardeners. It I'm going to make somebody very happy. Very happy. Week. Trouble is I'm going to make a lot of other people a very unhappy. A unhappy. Yes. <laughs> okay, go for it. Pick out the winner. <laughs> Uh, we have a number. The, the winning number, if your membership number is 29153. 29153. This is a lady by the name of Jennifer Smith. Jennifer Smith. Congratulations to is Jennifer. So we will be in contact. We will connect you with Rainbird Australia to go about collecting your prize. So that's Jennifer Smith. Well yes. done. Congratulations, young lady. So, yeah, this is uh, uh, absolutely wonderful, intelligent use of water in your garden. You will not look back with one of these gadgets, gizmos, whatever you would like to refer to it as device. It's uh, I have a I have a smart irrigation controller as well and gee they make life a lot easier and they're just fabulous because you know that the fo spotlight and focus is on water saving and these assist us uh, in water saving in a garden and what would you like to say Faye you're busting out of your well, chair I just want to say how clever is John I I didn't know how he had done this but he's cut all the member numbers I know and what he's inserted them in are coin holders oh, so for oh. people who collect coins these individual holders they look like little craft you could put beads in them mm. the size of a 20 cent piece i guess and he's put the numbers inside these clear plastic holders so it's, that's it's what you heard when i was rattling it's, exactly they're all in this a flower you know, pot flower pot and exactly. I mean, who would have thought of that? <laughs> I have this vision of pieces of paper all being folded up and put into a bucket or or watering can we would talk about, but you, we couldn't you, get our hand in there. You really we? wouldn't expect me to do something that simple. Uh, no, <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Everything with you is is a little bit different, and we appreciate that about you. Value you very much for all of your efforts and <gasps> input on the show. What? But wait, Ray, there's, there's more. more. Do you know what we've got for morning tea today? No, no. Oh, the there's Sahara a, dessert. Well, there's a story. <laughs> uh, the story is no good deed goes unpunished. That's exactly. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, Faye did our running sheet and she did one little spelling mistake. She meant to write Sahara Desert. 
and she wrote Sahara Dessert. And you couldn't help yourself. I, I couldn't help myself. I said, do you have that with ice cream or custard? <laughs> <laughs> and Faye Googled Sahara Dessert and came up with a recipe. There actually <laughs> is recipes for Sahara Dessert. Yep. And we then insisted, did you put your money where your mouth is and make it? And it's waiting to be tasted. So what morning. is it? What's in it? Uh it's you actually toast milk powder, mm. or, or just oh. g- gently toast it. Getting it in the toaster is a real very exotic. <laughs> yeah, very funny, very no, exotic. Done in a fry pan, and then uh, all sorts of cream. And, uh, not much in the way of flavouring. Mm. Pistachios over the top, but it is that just the toasted milk powder. Itself gives a very malty sort of I have no doubt multicultural flavour. I have no doubt that you have sampled. I haven't actually. You haven't. No, it's still in the in the tray, uncut, ready to go. But I can tell you, the raw dough was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well that's a good indication, isn't it? Yeah, there's sort of a, a custard through the middle of it, which surprised me. I thought surely it's going to have vanilla in it. No, no, just cream. And, Goodness uh, me! All right, this is milk. Yum. Yeah, this so, is a, uh, on a whole different morning tea level, isn't it? So, so, so you'll be quiet next time Faye makes a typo error, <laughs> won't you? You'll be quiet. I doubt he will. I be. live. I live with the word police, so I emphasise. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I, I am very pedantic. So. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, John. We need to go to the nine o'clock news. After that, we'll be chatting with Tree Rings. Jessica Clark, and we'll also be speaking to Carol from Subiaco. Don't go anywhere. Mostly sunny today. The maximum will be 33, and right now it's 23.3 degrees. And tomorrow, the maximum will be 34, clouds clearing. And for Monday, a maximum of 34 and sunny. Straight back out to the lines. We are in Subiaco. Carol, thanks for waiting. Hi, Carol. Hello. How are you? Yeah, very good, Carol. That's good. I'd like to propagate passion fruit, and I'm just wondering whether to do air layering with um, gladrap or something around the soil after I've scratched. Okay, what variety? The bottom of the stem. What variety? I think it's, um, what is it? Sunshine. Sunshine special. They actually grow from seed as well, Carol. I'm trying that and I've waited 21 days and nothing's happened. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I'll tell you what and I'll do. Special treatment for us. I will put this over to John and get him to do a bit of research for us and come back with um, all the news on propagating passion fruit for you. Is that okay? Lovely. All right. And also, I heard you talking about pig face this morning. Yes. And I, um, having problems putting plants in my veg that don't require much water. And I think pig face uh, might do the trick. Does the ordinary pig face that you get from garden nurseries? Well, you can. There's one, or is there a special one, uh, special native? There are. Native ones or bush tucker ones. Uh, there is one that is called Carpabrotus, but the one that Dave recommended this morning was called Dephys- D- Dysphema. 
D-I-S-P-H-Y-M-A, crassifolium. And that, that was his favourite. So it was a round-leaved pig face, disfemma. Okay? All right. Okay, thanks for your help. You're yeah, welcome. Good luck, Carol. All right. Yeah. Thank Bye, you. Carol. Bye-bye. All right, now from Tree Rings, Australia, we are chatting this morning with Jessica Clark to find out the story of Tree Rings and how they evolved. Interesting story as well. Hi, Jessica, you're with Ray and Faye. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, really very good. good. Happy to talk to you today and, and hear about what an interesting journey you've been on, Jessica. <laughs> it's definitely been interesting. <laughs> it's a long Long journey, but um, yeah, it's been really exciting. Um, yes, yeah, uh, with my dad um, and my family, so we're a small family business. So doing it together is quite special as well. So tell yeah. us what what the product is for starters, and then how it how all it came all about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, tree rings are compact fertilizer rings. They're made from repurposed materials. Uh, such as recycled paper, and we use horse manure, which is a great natural fertiliser. And then we add NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium and trace elements, basically anything that's needed in our soils, we put in the tree rings formula. So um, you place one around the base of a tree or plant and it fertilises that um, tree or plant for up to 12 months. So you only have to fertilise once a year. So how big are they? Uh, so they're about uh, 250 millimetres um, uh, in diameter, yeah. but we do have the ability to make baby ones and quite large ones for large trunks. Right. But at the moment, because we're still small, we're just making the standard ring um, size, uh, which seems to do uh, most uh, residential garden plants at the moment. <laughs> and they come in like two halves of the circle, don't they? And so you just then can connect it around the base of your tree. Yeah, so they come as one uh, ring, but we add uh, perforated yeah. like lines so um, down it. the middle. So it's yeah. really easy to break in half yeah. and you just place it at the plant and mm. uh, set and forget. Exactly. <laughs> um, like we call it the lazy man's way <laughs> to mm-hmm. fertilise. Well, I've, um, yes, I've tried them and so easy to use. You know that your plants looked after for basically the next 12 months. So how did your dad, like this is not like anything else no. around. What, yeah. how did it happen? <laughs> well, my dad's a little bit of an inventor at times. Um, I've, had, I've, I've rolled at a few of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think he got this one right. Um, it was about eight years ago. Uh, he lives on a... Um, acreage in Perth Hills um, and has a couple of horses and he was shoveling, you know, putting the horse manure into a in a uh, wheelbarrow wheeling it around to his trees and plants and shoveling it on and he just thought, there's got to be an easier way to do this, so yeah. he went to his trusty shed, started experimenting with a compact uh, manure ring and uh, yeah, he almost got there it was looking pretty good um, but then uh, all of a sudden he had a bit of a freak event and lost his hearing yeah. uh, completely and very suddenly, mm. um, which was really unexpected. Mm. It was literally pen to paper communication with him for about four months till he could get a cochlear implant. Um, and he got the implant, which is great, um, but unfortunately it forced him into an early retirement 
Yeah. Um, and he was a bit stuck, you know, still putting one kid through high school at the time. Wow. Um, so then my husband, who's a, he's a qualified horticulturalist and was working as a landscaper and he just could see the benefit these tree rings would have in like his residential clients' gardens. And so together they worked on it for another five years or so wow. and got it to where it is today. Um, and then, yeah, we... Uh, saw an innovation com- competition and we entered it just seeing how it would go and we ended up winning first prize and wow. that kind of gave us the confidence that yeah. you know people believe in this and this is something we need to do something with this yeah um, so we've been at markets for just over a year now and you're at the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow Yes, we'll be at the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow, which is 9am to 2pm. Um, and we're also, we attend the Mundaring Garden and Farmers Market uh, every Saturday morning, which is a lovely market up there yes, under the tree. beautiful. Yeah, so yeah. people could come up and have a chat with you as well and, and, Definitely. and, and find out more. So no, it's, it is very innovative. And I think also um, it might be for lazy gardeners, but also for busy people as well. You know, just yeah, to be able people to... people that are time poor. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Definitely me at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I use them as well. Well, um, if, if everyone who called us about a fruit tree problem <laughs> got one of these yeah. around their problem tree, it'd be interesting to see how they all went because yeah. they yeah. are very easy to use, particularly in pots. Um, yeah, we've, we've actually had... A particular feedback that we've gotten is about fruit trees. I guess because you can see a clear difference when fruit starts growing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so people who haven't had fruit before are coming back to us saying they finally got an avocado after trying for four years, or yeah. um, if they've had fruit before, they're now getting an abundance and having to make fruit pies and freeze them because they don't know what to do with all the fruit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's the or people that are. Uh, have flowering plants. They've reported that their plants are the flowers are flowering for longer um, past their usual season. So that's quite interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I guess as you improve the soil, it makes it a very happy plant or tree. Well, Jessica, I have to tell you, I've got berries on my elderflower, which oh, quite really? often is unheard of in Perth. Oh wow. And that's the one that you use the tree ring with? Yeah. Yes. It's sharing Amazing. a bed with the mango and and I've got fruit on the mango as well. So that's Amazing. a step in the right direction. <laughs> that's awesome. Great to hear. We love the feedback and we love when people send us their before and after photos. Everyone, all our customers have just been amazing and so supportive. So yeah. where to now? What's next? Yeah, so um, we're always uh, trying to grow and um, uh, always improving the product or experimenting with new things. So we also do a rose tree ring specifically for rose plants. So it would be great. Tree rings formula, but we have a extra additive for roses. Yeah. Um, but we're also trialing a blueberry one. Um, mm. Blueberries need a little bit more of an acidic soil. Um, so just trying to find a good balance with that. And uh, finger limes I'm testing as well because <laughs> I love a good finger lime. Oh, yes. And so if people <laughs> want to know more, Jessica, your website address? Yeah, um, so you can find out more at treerings.com.au. Too easy, um, treerings.com.au. Yeah, otherwise we're in uh, Hazelmere, so we love visitors. So feel free to pop in and have a chat. 
Very, very kind of Dad you. Dad loves talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> he All may right. not hear you, but he can talk to you. <laughs> well, we wish you the best going forward. Uh, it is very innovative, uh, very interesting, and clearly still a work in progress. Can only but... Uh, improve and uh, we've both trialed uh, your products with uh, very good results every you know so thank you for allowing us to do that and uh, if people want to know more they can go to your website I guess and obviously catch you at the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow which is on at Sturt Park and as you were saying you also go to the Kalamunda markets uh, Mundaring market sorry yeah each Saturday yeah. morning is that right that's right okay <laughs> Well, Jessica, please pass on our congratulations to your dad. I mean, this is, yeah. it's a lovely story and it's lovely to see how you and your husband have picked it up because it could have it easily been something over. that got never, shelved. But never made it. Yep. Yeah, you took it all the way. Well done. You're a good daughter. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of him. Yeah. All right. Take and don't care. and don't roll your eyes again. <laughs> I definitely won't. Okay. Bye no, for thank now. You. Thanks, Thanks for your ladies. time. Cheers. Cheers. It is a lovely story. Mm. Yeah. And you know, like everyone, people have their trials and tribulations, and they've kept going. They kept pushing through, and uh, now they're coming out the other end. And it is a success story. It's so different, isn't it? Yeah, very you different know, concept. For years, new products, new fertilizers have been developed, but this is this different. is different again. Mm. Mm. And I, 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 when I've used it, and I was sort of watering it down, you can sort of see the horse manure and everything sort of coming out of the rings. So they, they sort of break down with time, which yeah. makes it slow release. Yeah, exactly. So, with water, which is when fertilisers mm. work, the water uh, dissolves and permeates yeah. through the soil. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, it's, it ticks very, all the boxes. Very, very interesting. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Now, I know we've got some We have emails. got a few emails. So Elizabeth has sent us a photo of a climber that has very waxy-looking leaves. Now, Elizabeth, yeah. um, I can't, without a flower... And just from photos, I can't tell exactly what it is, but certainly it reminds me along the lines of an alamander or which has a big yellow flower or, you know, good sized yellow trumpet type flowers, alamander, um, mandevilla type family. It's unusual that it hasn't flowered. This plant has beautiful green, glossy, waxy leaves but red underneath. I will continue to follow this up. I'm sure it can be identified. The fact that it hasn't flowered is, is it's a trailing quite interesting. Plant, isn't it? Well, it's climbing up to the roof. And it's, so got, it's got thorns on it. It's yeah, got, big yes, thorns. sharp, small thorns. Mm. So, yep, I'll continue to follow that one up. Uh, oh, poor Mike has had trouble growing tomatoes he said the he used to be able to grow a bountiful crop of tomatoes uh, back in the late 70s and 80s but these days they are struggling they moved to a canal block uh, for a number of years there was no room for a veggie patch from there to a rural property lots of veggies but gradually tomato crops began to suffer wilt and die off and of course, there are many diseases and viruses that affect tomatoes. Yes. Um, but then we, we also have pests. We have mm. a caterpillar that actually gets into the fruit at the point where the 
flower is developing. So growing, the best thing might be to to have a go at growing in pots where you've got a controlled environment, you know exactly what you're dealing with and growing it in a an area that is covered, netted, so nothing gets in. But you do have to allow for pollination. Um, also growing a particular variety. So you can get varieties from nurseries. Make sure you've got disease free there's no spots on the leaf they need to look healthy at the get-go you could try growing from seeds or from friends or neighbors who maybe have been growing a particular heritage variety so Mm. starting with with good stock exactly i was thinking the same sometimes Mm. we see plants in nurseries Mm -hmm. that are spotted and you know that at that point you need to be discerning about what you're buying Mm. And make sure you're starting with with good good stock. Yeah, to begin. And then with. monitor them. I know, I know it's hard. I don't know why it was easier in that respect, you know, thirty Back or forty then. years ago. But we do have a lot more pests that have come through since then. Mm. And of course, a lot more suburbanisation, where homes are right next door to each other, where there's more exotic plants. There's more exotic pests. Mm. And do you think it's anything to do with climate changing? Not really. Oh, I think plants adapt. When you've Mm. been growing varieties for years, they adapt to the area. Mm. So, you know, making sure that you get a a good tomato. I think we talked about this last week where you you want fruit that tastes good and, and has a particular look. A lot of what comes through supermarkets might be hybrids. Mm. They they look fantastic. They stay firm. But they don't taste too good. <laughs> it's, mm. it's not the flavour that developed really over the years that we mm. really know and love. So, yeah. yeah, choose wisely. Okay, short break. When we return, we're chatting with Pauline. Catching Radio. You're with Ray and Faye, and this is Let's Talk Gardening straight to Belga. Pauline, thanks for waiting. Oh, hi. How are you, Ray and Faye? We're good, thank good, you. Good, thanks, Pauline. Well, I'm answering for Faye as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I do, I've got a dwarf orange. Actually, I've got a, a couple of mandarins, dwarf mandarins as well, and there's always ants on them. Right. And I... And I don't know if um, they should be on there. No, no. No. Often ants will indicate that there's a pest there, such as scale or aphids. Right. And ants can really um, farm. They farm scale and they move it all around. So it's a, a sign of something else to look out for. Now, you need to to stop the ants in their tracks. Are they in pots or are they in the ground? No, they're in, they're in big, big um, tubs. Okay. You know the blue tubs? Yeah, they had detergent in them. Okay. So they're plastic, big plastic blue tubs. Right, okay. You could possibly put something like Vaseline around the edge and that might stop them. Having said that, I have done that in the past and found that ants just make a little bridge using themselves 
uh, to to well, carry on. Uh, if you've also got I've actually, ant- sorry, Faye, I've actually got holes in, like like they there's holes all in the pot, like in the soil. Yes, yes. Is that them? Yes, I would say so. So they they can air prune the roots of the plants as well. Uh, something like fly spray around the pot might help. There's ant sands. There's products for the paving. Um, you don't want to use anything harmful in the pot because you're uh-huh. going to eat the fruit. But if you go to a hardware yeah. store, you'll, you'll find a range of products. Okay. Um, so uh, will they affect my oranges that are on there? Not the oranges as such, but they will affect the health of the plant yeah. because they make okay. a lot of dry air pockets in the soil. So even okay, yeah, flooding the pot can help, like with a wetting agent yeah. or an oh, eco okay. oil, that could help as well. What, eco oil on the tree? Well, you can mix no. it up as a spray and... Spray it to the point of runoff so it drips down into the soil as well. Oh, okay. All right. So there's a few ideas. Mm. Okay. Thank you for your help. You're welcome, Pauline. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cheers for now. All right. And let's head to Bindoon. Murray, good morning. You'd like to talk about tomatoes. Yeah, mate. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your call. I always listen to you. Show nearly all week, every day. Right any oh. and yours, day or yours, you know, Saturday, it's pretty good. Look, I've, mine this year grew really well. Yes, good. Um, come up probably a metre and a half high, no trouble at all. And then all of a sudden I got this, all the leaves started to turn a grey-white colour. And then uh, I noticed that there was a very fine web. Ah. Yes, that sounds like a spider mite. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that's what I thought it might be. Yeah. Mm. I tried spraying a pyrethian spray, which is about all I could get in the local hardware here. Right. Uh, it didn't help a lot, but it did a bit. Some of the plants, uh, I've pruned them back, like a lot of the dead uh, stuff off. The tomatoes themselves actually kept a lot of them, like I had a lot of tomatoes on there. A lot of them ripened up and are actually um, still quite okay. Mm. Um, but I pruned some of them back and sprayed them. Oh, I must have sprayed them four or five times now. I don't know whether there might be something better. Well, the, th- the thing about spider mites, they like a really dry environment. One thing about tomatoes, you tend not to want to spray the foliage of your tomatoes because you can in- introduce uh, mould and mildew. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So opens the door for them. Yeah, so mm. cut away the lower leaves so they're not touching the ground. That's a point of hygiene. But yep. you can spray with water. So if you were to do that, I don't know how many times you're watering, Murray, but I I imagine it might be more than once a day. Would that? Yeah, we, yeah? Um, we've had some pretty 40-degree days. Yes, that's the thing. shade cost. Um, which increases the humidity a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I have um, uh, all my uh, watering is on a retech system and they're only on little sprinklers or sprayers that only spray probably 
couple of hundred mil off the ground, so there's no water goes on the leaves at all. They just say, yeah. Right. Keep them, I know that. I've been growing tomatoes for... Yeah. So in yeah. order to change the environment so that the spider mites don't like it, you could spray over the foliage uh, with a yep. mist, with, you know, hand hosing, over yep. the leaves and under. And, you know, if you did that in the middle of the day, it changes the environment. So yep. that's one way of, of changing it. Now, also, you're up in Bindoon. Now, Manchul Pest Services supply predatory mites for red spider mite. You can get a persimilis mite and you can order them. And once you release those, particularly in a shade house, they will clean up. They they virtually herd the red spider mites and you can see them all gathered at the ends of the leaves. So being right. in a shade house situation, that would be a, a really good solution for you if you're growing a lot of tomatoes. Yeah, what was the name of them again? Um, Manchul Pest Services, or you could Google Bugs for Bugs. That's a Queensland one, but they do send over. Okay. So it's this style is called integrated pest management. So it's about using bugs to yeah. to keep in check other bugs. Yep. Sounds good. Mm. Yeah. It's All fun. Right. It's fun too, Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, but Watching I warn them. you because mm-hmm. they come in a vial, and when it comes. It, all you can see is vermiculite. So you spread it out on to a sheet of white paper and you think, oh, crikey, I've spent you all know this money. lots of dollars and all I can see is vermiculite. And then you sprinkle this vermiculite around. The persimilis mites are minute, but you can see them moving across the sheet of white paper as this tiny dot. It's yep. fascinating. Okay. Mm. All right. Yeah, well, I've... Uh... Um, I had some self-sown cherry tomatoes come up as well in amongst my radishes and beetroot and all sort of stuff. But anyway, never mind. They're oh. actually starting to come through now, but the buggers have moved onto them as well. <laughs> it sounds like you've got your own self-sufficient patch there, Murray. Well, I did have until these might got into them, yeah. Mm. But anyhow, all right, well, thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh, the the pyrethium is not doing a lot of good then, eh? Oh, uh, well... If it's not working, it's not working, and try something else that's safer. And yep. and add lots of flowers too. Grow um, flowering herbs like basil and uh, marigolds. And, you know, there's so many things that we can add to our veggie gardens to increase yep. the diversity and encourage the predators and, and parasites because they're out there. We just have to make a home for them. Good. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you, Murray. Thanks, Murray. Bye. See ya. Bye. bye. Yeah, I think spraying with water is uh, a very good solution for the spider mite. Let's head to Bedford. Mark, good morning. Good morning, girls. How are we? We're really good. Thank you, Mark. Good to hear. Last year, I had an invasion of gall wasp into my lemon tree, my patio lime tree and my blood orange tree. Mm. I consequently trimmed them back, which broke my heart because the lemon tree is... um, Mine's a lemon tree I actually rang you girls about that had orange-coloured lemons. Right. 
and you made me cut an orange-coloured lemon open to taste it and tell you what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Tasted like a lemon. Good. <laughs> I can imagine your face. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you for that. Now, the problem I've got is, having trimmed them right back, there's no gall wasp anymore, but the trees have come back good and strong. There's just no flowering. There's no fruiting. Mm. Uh, um, am I wasting my time? Should I dig them out? Oh no, no, no! They will, they will come back when when they're ready, when the time is right. And yeah, you may have missed it for this year, but you know, six months down the track, it'll it could be a whole different story. When did you cut them back, Mark? Oh gosh, it was probably almost the beginning of winter last year. Okay. Probably be. Um, yeah, not quite 12 months ago. But, yeah. Uh, um, they've, they've come back beautifully. Yeah. So um, you, haven't, you haven't killed the tree and it is only a matter of time, time. before they flower again. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they, that would have been quite a shock to them, but mm. that's okay. Now monitor for the gall wasps and keep, oh, yeah. keep it in check. Yeah, no, always been walking around, keeping an eye on it, making sure mm. that none of the little buggers have come back and attacked me again, but... Um, uh, yeah, no, I was just wondering, because of the fact that they've come back so strong, there's, there's been no flowers. The patio lime tree did flower a few times quite quite pr- prolifically, but nothing came of it. Well, don't forget, this year we've had so many days of unprecedented heat. degree yeah. heat. Mm. Uh, so yeah. a, it will affect there a will lot of fruiting plants. Yeah. They won't yeah. produce, well, flowers or fruit if they can't sustain them. So just keep Hi. up your, your fertiliser regime uh, yeah. so when the weather cools a little bit, um, controlled release fertiliser for, for citrus or flowering and fruiting plants. Yeah, got that. Mm. All right, well, we'll persist with them, that's for sure. I was uh, getting grumpy with them and thought, right, that's it. You're not mm. doing anything, you're out. No, no, don't Need give up time. on them. Yeah. All right. I'll okay. All is well, well, Mark. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers for that. Thank you. Bye. And we're in Warnborough now talking about a triangle palm. And good morning. Yes, good morning, ladies. Um, yeah, I've got a triangle palm and it's in the pot. I've been um, transferring it and putting it into a bigger pot and that sort of thing. But now it's, it's uh, due to go out into the ground. But I've missed the time um, to put it out before summer. Now, I did hear you on, on the program once before saying that it's time to, bring, um, to plant palms now, not later, not before winter and that sort of thing. But is autumn uh, um, still a good time to do this? And if, if it's in a pot, I would do it now. Uh, yeah. we've, we've still got some warm weather Yes. And yes. I believe that you can put it into the ground without it knowing it's been moved. So if it's right. been in the pot for a while, it will yes. have have probably used up all the potting mix and its roots will be to the outside of the pot. So, you know, yes. when you, you pick up the trunk and it comes mm-hmm. out, if it yes. all stays intact and you yes. gently lower it into a hole that's well improved and it's got lovely clay and compost and right. uh, mixed with the soil around it, mm-hmm. you can put it in there without it knowing it's been moved. So it won't go into any stress or shock. Put a right. stake in there 
and tie it securely, probably two Mm -hmm. stakes, one on either side, so Mm -hmm. that it's not wobbling around in the soil. Because, Warnbury, you might get a bit of wind, so two stakes tethered across Mm -hmm. the middle so it can blow a bit in the wind, but it's not moving the roots. And if you do that, it it can put its new roots into that area before we go into a cold winter, which probably, you know, won't be until about July. That's right, yes. So you, yes. I reckon you've got a bit of time. Just don't oh, disturb the roots when you do it. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah, thank it you very much. And a bit of sea salt on that as well to oh, yes. um, just... Uh, uh, give the roots and that, uh, and uh, you know, don't shock the roots. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Very good. Thank you very much for that. It will. Excellent. Thank you, Anne. I'm sure. It will. It will. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, okay. Anne. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Love. Bye for Bye. now. <laughs> okay. I think I better give something away because we're running out of time. Please do. Okay. Now, this will be for the $75 gift voucher. Compliments of Kerry at Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. As we know, Bigger Trees specialise in frangies, ornamental and fruit trees. They've got a huge range of indoor plants just in and recent arrivals of other fabulous stock ranging from leucodendrons to olive trees to fajoas to magnolias. And they have a lot of nice pots up there as well to explore. So for big plants and little plants, check out Bigger Trees and also their Facebook page uh, to have a look at uh, all their recent goodies that have been delivered into the nursery. Very big, fabulous nursery. Will not be disappointed. Now, the question is... and. Oh, we can blame John again, and we have to blame John. He's very imaginative with his questions. You must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. If you'd like to win this $75 gift voucher, here is your question. According to folklore, what plant screams when pulled from the ground? What plant screams when pulled from the ground? This is according to folklore. Thank John Glidden for the curly question. $75 gift voucher up for grabs from Bigger Trees. 94841927. Go for it. We're in Mandra. Ron, good morning. Morning, Ron. Yeah, hi. Um, just in relation to the tomatoes, um, when I was a kid, Dad always used to grow grossless tomatoes. Yes. And um, then we only had chook manure. Um, plenty of nitrogen. Now I just use um, sheep manure. There's a place out at Barragup in by by the bag. As long as it's um, straight manure, um, plenty of tucker, plenty of water. And we had tomatoes that were, were just huge. My son-in-law flies in, flies out, and I, I gave him some, a piece of fruit. And he said never in his life, and he's a chef, He's ever tasted tomatoes that had so much flavour. Wow. Yeah, it depends really on, on the stock, but I, I always grew them from seed. But over time, you don't know whether the, the seed is the same as what it used to be like, like way back. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 74 going on 60, and <laughs> Dad, and we, well, we, he, he grew them. Um, just straight out, straight out with nothing but chook manure, mm. and um, and you can even pick pick the sides out. And we we had them up to about four or five foot high on a, on a single stalk, and the fruit the fruit was huge. Mm. And they cut them open and just flavour like. It, it depends on whether the the seed is as good as what it used to be, 
but the ones that I grew recently, um, unbelievable. And um, I wouldn't, if I was going to grow again, I'd never grow anything else but gross less. Now, Ron, would you mind sharing some seeds with us? Um, well, I, I, I haven't got any at the moment. Um, I, I just, I just usually buy the, um, just buy them in a packet. Okay. You know, you, All right. You can, you, can still, you can still get them, um, and some of the nursery might might have them. But I, I found that if I use the, just buy a packet of seeds, and um, they, they germinate quick and easy. Yes. Um, and. Um, you might, you might find nursery might have some 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 seedlings already up and going, which is a lot quicker. Um, and you know, just old old stuff like me, old stuff is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good to hear. Good uh, story. Happy story, Ron. Thank you. Yep. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Cheers Bye. for that. Now we do have a winner, Pamela from Inglewood. Pamela, you must have a similar imagination to John. All right, the question was, according to folklore, what plant screams when pulled from the ground? And the answer is the mandrake. Now, there's a myth that you die. You would die if you actually heard the scream. So back then, people used to tie animals to the plant and get them to pull it out. I know, isn't that just... Shocking. Thank you, John. And congratulations, Pamela. A $75 gift voucher will be on its way to you this week. Thank you for your company this morning. You are with Ray and Faye. Now, let me see. We've got lots of calls coming in. I do have another giveaway. We will try and squeeze that in between now and 10 o'clock. Faye, you're... I've got lots of emails and I need to report back. Can I okay. do that yeah, quickly go, now, Ray? Go. Uh, about how to grow passion fruit. And it certainly can be done from seed, Um just like you would would grow any seed in warm conditions, so you could do it now. But if you're growing from cuttings, spring is the time to do that. So, yeah, have a go now at the seed. You know, they're readily available and why not have a crack? It's really easy. You can buy a seed-raising mix. You can buy it in blocks that swell Mm -hmm. and just keep them moist, basically. You can make a little... um, a cloche or a humid environment. Keep it in a greenhouse is a very good idea. They will shoot readily from seed, but otherwise cuttings in springtime. So we also received an email from Wileki and these plants, they sent in two photos of plants that were picked up from a verge collection in pots, no doubt, Ray. Mm. One is a ginkgo. Amazing. Mm that you could get that off a verge because they're Mm. worth a few dollars too. Could you please advise me how to care for them properly? Do they need bigger pots? If so, when is the best time to do so? Penelope the duck and Chickpea the chicken were lured into the photo as comparison as to how big the trees are. Well, they're good-sized trees. And Naughty naughty John Don John said that the duck would make a nice... (gasps) Duck a l'orange. Mm. Such a naughty boy is mm. our John Glidden. But these trees actually look pretty healthy. Mm. Um, yes, one is definitely a ginkgo. I would be inclined to put that into a, a a bigger pot. I just think a lot of things, plants that we get home, will benefit from having their their um, roots go into something that we know is a good quality potting mix. 
Yeah. You can't always tell what's going on in the pot. It might look all right at the top, mm. but it could all always be dry with pockets or even ants through the centre. So, you know, it gives you the opportunity to do a health check if you pot it on into another pot. And and you want that, don't you? You want to have put your mark on it and know what your plants are sitting mm. in. For sure. Yeah. Now, the other plant, I, I'm i not sure. I can't tell from the photo what mm. it is. Now, Ray, you thought it might have been a type of magnolia? Maybe. It's not a typical one, but it could be what I think is what they call a saucer magnolia, if in mm. fact it is a magnolia. Saucer magnolia. The leaves are very, very similar. So mm. maybe that's what it is. It's certainly not your typical mm. teddy bears or little gems or, you know, is it carry carry trying to get the word out now um there's another one that's pretty popular out there uh i'll come up with it don't worry carry well i trying to i can't get it out i know it begins with k forgive me it is difficult sometimes to tell from photos sometimes if you if we could see the leaf and feel the leaf yeah uh, and gauge more of the size it would be a little bit easier but often the, the telltale sign will be when a plant flowers as to exactly what it is. Oh, now, yep. we were talking earlier, Ray, and this is a tip that I think isn't gardening related, but I think a lot of our listeners might be interested in. A lot of places we go, we need to show a COVID certificate. Yeah. And if you don't have a phone, that might mean that you're carrying around an A4 size piece of paper. Yeah, which, which is cumbersome. Is not, it's not your ideal. Handbag or your I learnt of an opportunity to go and get it shrunk down and you go along with your certificate printed. If you haven't got access to a printer, you can go to Medicare, they will print it for you. Then you go to Officeworks and you stand in the line. I think it's for $2. They they take a copy of your driver's license and a copy of your COVID certificate and they shrink it down and laminate it so you can carry it in your wallet. Perfect. I think a lot of people need to do that. It'll be so much easier for a lot of people if they're not if they don't have the apps on their phones and so on. It's just one more way of uh, making our life simpler. Thank mm. you for that tip. K Paris is what I was trying to think of oh. for the other magnolia. Yes, I Very told you it would come brain. to me. Eventually, it comes. Yeah, so let me see. I think I have time to give one more giveaway away. Go for I'm, it. <laughs> I'm squeezing this in, guys, before 10 o'clock. Uh, the morning has run away from us. Now, these are fabulous products by Agra and Aquaforce. Compliments of Eva Ritchie at the Turf Growers Association of WA. The products work together and they will assist you with water repellents in your soil. Valued at $75 for the two. There is a catch. You must be a Curtin FM member, of course, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days, but you must be able to collect these products from the Lawn Doctor in Jandabup. The Lawn Doctor in Jandabup. If you don't want to trek there, you can't get to the Lawn Doctor in Jandabup or send someone for you. Don't enter today. There will be other opportunities in different locations as we go through the weeks. Uh, there might be somewhere that we promote that is closer to you. Here is the question for the best looking garden in your neighbourhood. In what year did Perth's first desalination plant start production? In what year did Perth's first desalination plant 
start production. Give Bev a call now, 94841927, and these fantastic products, compliments of Turf Growers Association of WA by Agra and Aquaforce, could be working very hard in your garden very, very soon. Okay, back shortly. Curtain Radio. And about seven minutes of the show left to go. You've got a couple of emails to get through, Faye. I have. We received a lovely photo from Jen and Terry who have this beautiful plant in our shade area. It was taken as a cutting from their daughter's house. It had never flowered for her and this is the first time it's flowered for them. The flower only lasts a day and they are wondering if we can identify it. Well, it's one of the the cactus uh, that are very popular at the moment, probably an epiphyllum, uh, and I, I couldn't tell you exactly which one it is. I just know that they're very popular and there is a big variety out them, out of them. And this one looks like a, a really soft, light, pinky apricot, um, quite similar to the moonflower or the night cactus that opens... During the night. During the night. Um, But, yes, beautiful. I I think if you're Googling, type in epiphyllum and you might find something there that matches. matches, exactly. Uh, And we do have a winner, guys. We do have a winner, Marlene from Willerton. She's won the fabulous Biagra and Aquaforce products. Thank you for playing with us. And the answer was, my question quickly, in what year did Perth's first desalination plant start production? The answer was 2006. So Marlene, we'll be in contact with you as to how you collect your prizes, which, of course, are at the Lawn Doctor in Jandabop. And on that note, talking about water, Ray, today or this in two days is the, yeah. the closing date for having your say about aligning the bore water sprinkler roster. Mm. Now, the proposed changes are that bore owners who currently can water three days a week will be aligned to scheme water users only being allowed to water two days a week. Mm. Uh, now, if. And this will impact? This will impact. Packed Perth's drinking water, our gardens, yeah. uh, parklands, right right across the board. board. Um, we've talked about it over a, f- a few weeks, and yeah. hence uh, the Turf Growers Association and Irrigation Industry Association have got behind us with giveaways to highlight water saving options. Yeah, and and that is what we all want to do. We want to work together to manage and and save as much water as we can. And that's been the driving force behind all of these fabulous smart irrigation controllers that we've been giving away on air, the products we give away on air. This is all going forward to there are many, many different ways of saving water rather than the restrictions that the Water Corp are possibly imposing. So 28th of February is the cutoff point to have your say. That's it. And the email address is gardenboreroster at dwer.gov.au or by post to the Department of Water and Environmental Regulations Locked Bag 10 June Delup DC WA 6919 and of course if you want to hear any of the information from our show again you can go to the podcast on the Let's Talk Gardening tab of the Curtain Radio 
website. Okay, and if you go to the website, you go to programs, which is on the front page up the top, and that link drops down and you will find Let's Talk Gardening and navigate your way from there. Or you can go to the Facebook page for yeah. Let's Talk Gardening where John posts the podcast up Each every week. afternoon after our show. Yeah. A email came in from Marika and this is about her gardenia that has buds that did not fully bloom. She'd had success in the ground but not in the pot. Well, as we often say, what what is in a pot is controlled entirely by our ability Us. to give it love and the space it's got in the pot. Once it dries out and there's every chance that this summer your pot's dried out at some point. Really? And, of course, that compromises the ability of the plant to sustain itself and any flowers it has. So if it's been compromised, it's missed out on water, the flowers will shrink, they become smaller and, and fail to materialise. So um, just making sure that the plant in a pot has got everything it needs, repotting if it's been there a long time or it's filled out the pot, uh, checking for ants, checking that it's not water repellent and making sure that it's it's got all the possible feed that it could have. Yeah, ants are very active out there right now. Today's show has been sponsored by Maxi's Fashion, ladies' clothing, select from a colourful range of stylish, affordable Australian labels in all sizes. Now, also a shout out to our big competition winner today, Jennifer Smith, who won the fabulous Rainbird Smart Irrigation Controller. Okay, valued at more than $800. The intelligent use of water is the logo for Rainbird, and they say it assists you in maintaining a healthy and happy landscape. Uh, requiring water to the needs of the plants and the environment. So the spotlight very much on smart irrigation controllers and how they can assist you in saving water. In this particular instance, Rainbird Australia have donated this prize to Let's Talk Gardening and Curtain FM. And the winner is Jennifer Smith. So congratulations, Jennifer. We will be in touch with you. And Would you big... like anything else to say to wrap up? <laughs> I know, I feel like motor mouth this morning. Not unusual, of course. Well, it was great, Ray. From the get-go, we had phones busy, ringing. Busy. We didn't yeah. get much of a break the whole morning, did we? But big thanks to those who have supplied irrigation controllers over the last uh, month. Yeah. Um, we had Hunter with HydraWise and we had, had HR the, product. Yeah, Orbit Beehive. And we've also had Rainbird Australia kick in as well. So you guys are amazing. And uh, the benefits and the winners, of course, are our listeners. So it's been lovely to be able to give these prizes away, not to mention what we give each way, away each week from Bigger Trees. And, of course, at the moment we do have the other fabulous products from the Turf Growers Association. But... Viagra, I have to be careful then, and Aquaforce. Okay, um, big thanks to everyone. Did you have anything else that you needed to say? Oh, I'm done. I've got through done everything. Thank you, Ray. All right, so thanking everyone, the team, uh, for their efforts this morning. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.